Her Health Ed podcast is a safe space for women and girls to share, learn, and empower each other. Our goal is to raise awareness about health issues that affect you, your mom, your daughter, or your best friend. Tune in each week to hear stories from real women and the latest advice from health professionals. From pain and struggle to relief and triumph, we'll pull back the curtain on health issues that affect women. Expect a lot of laughter, a few tears, mixed in with a whole lot of love. So while you're on the road, sipping your morning cup of coffee, or having an evening glass of wine, listen in, then share your comments. Our next guest is Sarah Lemon, a livestock apprentice at the Stone Barn Center for Food and Agriculture. Sarah's work focuses on translating key agricultural ideas between the farming, academic, and general public communities. As a young Arizonan, Sarah dreamed of becoming a bona fide cowgirl. Her dream is now a reality as she brings her strong cowgirl spirit to a male-dominated industry. Sarah joins us today to share her story of struggle with PMDD. Premenstrual dysphoric disorder is a severe form of premenstrual syndrome that includes physical and behavioral symptoms arising before the onset of a woman's menstrual cycle. Thanks for tuning in. Well, hi, Sarah. We are so excited to have you here. Um, You have one of the coolest jobs ever. I'm really, I just want to hear what you do on a daily basis. So can you tell us a little bit about um, your life as a livestock apprentice right now? Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure to get to talk to you both. Um, Yeah. So I am a livestock apprentice. I'm currently working at the Stone Barn Center for Food and Agriculture, which is in Pocanico Hills, New York, um, which is about 40 minutes or so north of New York City. It's a really kind of unique position. (laughs) Um, Not a lot of farms in that area, but it's fun to be there. Um, Yeah, so it's a nine-month program. I've been here for about eight months, and basically my day-to-day is just taking care of all sorts of different animals. Um, So we raise um, on our farm about, about 80 or so head of cattle, Um, Right now, we've got like 200 head of sheep, 50 goats, 750 chickens, (laughs) we just got 500 turkeys. It's crazy. (laughs) That's so cool. And you're from Arizona. So you kind of, I love just how you talk about your sort of growing up as like a cowgirl or wanting to be a cowgirl. (laughs) So your your dream has come true, but on the East Coast, which is kind of cool. Yeah, very different than what I imagined, but almost better because I get to work kind of more closely with the cattle than a lot of ranch people do. So it's been really fun. How did you get started in that? What was yeah. what was like your your vision in life? <laughs> I don't know. I I rode horses briefly as a kid, and I think I just like fell in love with the turquoise and and uh, kind of the aesthetic of being a cowgirl. And then later on, I was like, hmm, well, maybe like maybe I actually could give it a try. <laughs> and I got out there. I worked on as a volunteer on a livestock farm for a while, and just loved every minute of it. Wow. Isn't it interesting, Natalie? We've gotten to talk to a few people with (laughs) animals. I know. know. We talked to a pelvic floor therapist who has like a million animals and showed us her kangaroos. Oh, gosh. 
and she yeah. got pulled one out and we were, I mean, we were literally had just finished an interview and she was like, let me show you something. And she <laughs> took us out there. So you, you were the second person that is dealing with some pretty, you know, um, pretty like ex not exotic, I guess her animals are pretty exotic, but dealing with animals on a daily basis. It's kind of yeah. cool. I don't have any kangaroos, but, <laughs> but I'll look into yeah. it someday. Yeah. Maybe you guys <laughs> ask me about ostrich farming ones though. Yep. Yeah. Not an expert. Not an, not an expert. Uh, well, that's just, it sounds like a really neat job and you have a really unique educational background too. I mean, you've, you're highly educated and have, what is it? You have a, is it a undergrad degree in geophysics? I have a, a bachelor's in geology and a master's in geophysics. Master's. Okay. Wow. So do you get to apply that to your work at all or? That's what I was thinking. I'm like, <laughs> No, I did. I did. Um, I did study soils for a little bit in undergrad. And this summer I had to dig my first soil pit in like 10 years. <laughs> it was about as much fun as I remembered. <laughs> I'm so happy to be able to be on the ground instead of in it. These yes, <laughs> that's great. Wow. So we, we brought you here on the show because we want to talk to you about something that I feel like a lot of women deal with, but it's not um, something that is very well understood, mm -hmm. and that is PMDD. Um, you, I feel like, are more of an expert on it than either of us are, and we're not mm -hmm. experts, but really it's something that I will admit I haven't I guess I haven't really considered the fact that I probably have struggled with this over my lifetime as well. And I didn't, you know, I don't have a lot of knowledge on it and I'm excited to just, we are excited to hear your opinion, your experience, how you, you know, any research you've done, but also just, just get to know what you think about what you've dealt with and how, um, how it's made you feel and how it's impacted your life and your work. So do you feel like you can give us kind of an idea of what it is? Yeah. So I would say, first of all, you're definitely not alone. Um, it is one of those women's issues that is only starting to really be recognized as a real thing, um, which <laughs> it can be frustrating for a lot of women. In fact, actually this summer, so in May, the WHO just decided to include it as an official disorder in their sort of spectrum of diagnosable diseases. So that was a huge win. Um, but what it is, is basically, um, for lack of a better description, I would call it like super PMS. Yep. Um, it's PMS yeah. that can have some of the physical symptoms like cramping mm -hmm. um, and tiredness, fatigue, mm -hmm. sort of general loss of concentration. But mm -hmm. unlike sort of more typical PMS, mm -hmm. um, it has a lot more mental components and mental issues that can be extremely debilitating. Hmm. Just really the key difference is that generally, I mean, PMS is awful. I think we can all know that it's, it's very frustrating, but most often it doesn't interfere with sort of daily relationships um, and, and work commitments. Whereas PMDD, some of the side effects like depression, thoughts of suicide, irritability um, can really, really put a damper on being able to function just normally. Yeah. I think wow. that's like one of the key um, differentiators when it comes to 
this particular disorder is that it has such a big impact on your everyday life. Like, you know, a lot of women, we're like, oh, you know, I'm feeling some pain, but I'm still going to do X, Y, and Z. Or I don't, I don't feel so right, but, you know, I'm going to still go ahead and, you know, live my life and try to get over it. But it, the way you're describing it, it seems like it has more of like a determination of what you can do as you're dealing with it versus like just kind of putting it in the back of your mind. Definitely. It's the sort of thing where, you know, like for that, that week or 10 days of the month, I was like a little bit afraid to go out and interact with people because I would just have totally inappropriate reactions Mm. or was just like afraid of, you know, how, how I would react. I remember, um, one time actually not long before I got finally diagnosed was that I was like trying to open a door and I couldn't get the door open for some reason. And I just got so unbelievably angry. I just like started kicking the door yeah. and I was like, yeah. thank God that like wasn't yeah. a person and no one was around. I was like, that's <laughs> not me. I'm crazy. Like what's going on? It was just totally wow. felt like a different person. Yeah. Well, and, and I know that probably many women have experienced that hormonal change, whether it's getting on birth control, off birth control, dealing with, you know, their cycle every month and that hormonal change is just, you know, so, so strong. Mm -hmm. And again, I'm saying it's right. I'm saying it's hormonal. I don't know that that's true. I, I, I don't know that we know that scientifically, but I assume that's, Yeah, I think that's kind of one of those ongoing research questions um, where where I think the science is at now, Mm -hmm. um, and this mostly comes from the International Association for Premenstrual Disorders. It was a great resource um, for anybody working on that, and I can set you all up with a link to that. Thank you. Um, But what they think is that that, um, typically it's not a hormone imbalance, but rather a really abnormally severe response to normal hormonal changes. Huh. Wow. That's actually really interesting. Cause that's, yeah, I've, I've experienced that anger that you're talking about and it has been, for me, it's been when I'm on hormonal medications, getting mm. on and off of them. And it's yeah. like, yeah, yep. That's exactly it. It's that it's yep. like your body just isn't able to handle those changes mm. and it affects the rest of your brain chemistry, which I don't think is still fully understood. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. It's yeah. just bad reaction. Oh, that's... I would notice like within for myself, mm-hmm. but, and I had to kind of look this up because I'm like, I just feel like I'm going crazy. Mm-hmm. And then my cycle <laughs> will come and I'll feel like, Oh, you know, I'm back to, you know, and I'm like, I would, I would talk to my husband. Like, I'm like, literally, I don't know why I'm so on edge or I, I feel so provoked so easily. I'm like, I'm, I'm getting like this anxiety or about Mm -hmm. myself Mm -hmm. feeling this way. Like you were talking about, like, you don't know how you're going to act like out in normal situations because of just that heightened sense of, um, your own awareness of what's yeah. Happening. So, yeah, exactly. It's like, well, something like minor might happen, but I may start uncontrollably sobbing or like yeah. shouting. Mm-hmm. And I know it's just, it feels awful to not really feel like you're in control mm-hmm. of your own responses. 
Yeah, I I can totally see that. And and there's this bigger conversation and stigma around PMS. So the second we say PMS, she's PMSing. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, this negative pejorative, like comment that we don't, you know, women, we don't want to, we don't want to say, yes, I'm PMSing. We'll say it to each other, but say you're at work and, you know, a guy says something about it, or, I mean, I, I hope that doesn't happen in modern day workplaces, but it might, it probably, <laughs> it, probably it probably, does. it probably does. And it probably runs through, you know, people's heads like, oh, they're yeah. PMSing. And, um, you know, our husbands or our spouses or our boyfriends or whoever, a partner will say things like that. And it's like, it, it makes you feel <laughs> like you're doing something wrong. And that's what sucks about it. Because to your point about the scientist, like there, there's still research ongoing mm-hmm. around this, but it's not, it, it, I mean, now it's, I'm really excited to hear that there is a diagnosis. This is being taken seriously but it sounds like we still have a ways to go in, I mean, not, not just this specific thing, but in mental health issues in general. Mm, I mean, it's like, there's this kind of fear to say, oh, I have this thing that affects my mental health or stability. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's tough. I think because we're so used to diagnosing like something that we understand. Yeah. Like we, yeah. what we see happening, like, oh, you have pain. I have a pill for that, you know? Yes. Oh, <laughs> you know, there's, there's bleeding. Okay. I know how to put a patch on that. Yeah. But mm-hmm. when it comes to things that affect our, our mental health, or our mental capacity at a certain point that are not necessarily long-term, but intermittent, like this, yeah. it's like, okay, well, what do we do with this? Because it's yeah. not all the time, but yet it comes on a, on a regular, um, schedule along with, you know, a normal bodily function. So I think that's where, as we, as they're looking into the research where it is, it is hard. And it's not until people like you, Sarah, that come and say, look, (laughs) you know, (laughs) this is an issue. I'm, I need, I need your help. I need, you know, something that's going on. Mm -hmm. And so what did you find that, helped you communicate what was happening to um, your doctors or your loved ones or whatever? What, what was it that caused them to stop and say, okay, we need to look more deeply into this? It's interesting because I, um, I probably struggle with, well, I do struggle (laughs) with mental health issues, particularly depression, anxiety outside Mm -hmm. of PMDD. Um, So it was sort of like working in conjunction to figure out, because it's really hard to draw a line of like what is purely, you know, mental health issues versus what is menstrually related. And then there's this whole category of things that they're calling premenstrually exacerbated symptoms. Mm -hmm. So it's like, is it, you know, it's hard to make, hard to make that distinction. So my journey was kind of talking to both a psychiatrist at the same time as um, my primary care physician. And I just happened to get super lucky that my primary primary care physician actually had heard of PMDD and knew what it was. She was the one who actually was like, yeah, I hear what you're saying. You're talking about these depression symptoms, but they seem to be coming up like on the regular every month. Like maybe we need to look at, you know, this other disorder. Yeah. 
Well, that's that's interesting because that's kind of goes back to the whole mind body connection that hasn't really been. I mean, we don't understand it fully. There's so much that we're learning about how our brain connects to our body, and so it's all interconnected, right? Even even these you know diseases that you can you can test and take a biopsy and be like, okay, you have this. You know, there is some connection to your brain, obviously. So it's it's. I mean, it's not out of the realm of reason to think, yeah, we should actually start treating some of these things with pairing it with a mental health professional. And I do think that's wonderful that your, you know, general practitioner said, Hey, I know what this, I've, I've heard of this. I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm going to actually treat you in a way that's a little more holistic than just saying, let's, let's go talk to your OBGYN and get you on birth control or which often is the reaction. Unfortunately, it's like, okay, well, let's get your hormones under control. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's neat to hear. And I, yeah, I don't know. I think that that's, that's interesting that you've, that you actually, we're not afraid to say, okay, I'm going to go see a psychiatrist because mm-hmm. this is something that's, that's going on. And, and I'm curious if you felt like you started having more physical symptoms or you, you had, and maybe think how far back did, mm-hmm. did you start experiencing these symptoms? And then when did you make the connection to like, what point in your life did you make the connection to PMDD? Yeah. Um, so I think I've struggled with, with mental health issues in general, probably since at least when I started university, um, which is going on 11 years now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it had been a while. Um, but it really wasn't until maybe 2015 or 2016 that the connection with my cycle um, became more noticeable. And I think part of that is because I, I had been on sort of general hormone, um, hormone control, birth control, um, for, for, for that whole time. And I think some of that actually ended up masking what would have been a more prevalent cyclical, Hmm. um, demonstration of my symptoms. Um, yeah. And then it was just, you know, with the therapy, which part of the interesting things of, you know, doing mental health therapy is that you really have to focus in on patterns in your life. And so in a lot of ways, finally getting in with a good therapist and a good routine gave me the space and the sort of structure in order to look at my life in a way that made the menstrual aspect of this whole issue come to the forefront. What's so interesting about that is like, you know, when we're, when we, start tracking our periods, we don't necessarily start off in the beginning tracking symptoms associated mm-hmm. with them. It's just like, okay, when was the date of your first? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, that's, and that's it. It's like, but then it's like, you have to start, well, what's happening to me around this time that I need to take note of? And I know like we have our apps and different things, but we don't necessarily pay attention to all the the symptoms that are listed and it's like, you know, I just feel crummy. Like that's, that's it. You know, yeah. that's what yeah. I'm expecting to feel crummy or I'm expecting mm-hmm. to feel extreme pain or I'm expecting. And so a lot of this stuff, we don't even give ourselves the time to think more deeply about it because we feel like, Oh, it's just something that comes with it. 
Mm -hmm. So like you're saying, to be able to sit and talk to someone and, and really kind of parse out, like, wait a minute, this happens a whole lot around this time, <laughs> frequent way that it's like, I think we as women have to start paying more attention to because it could answer some of those burning questions that we have and make us feel a little less crazy or a little less out of sorts, or we can start to put things in place to safeguard ourselves during that time mm -hmm. that maybe we didn't consider. So what were some of the things that you had to, with that knowledge that you started to do for your own self-care that made the difference as you were, um, when your cycle would come? Yeah. So for me, um, now I'm, I am being treated, um, with a hormone therapy. I'm on like an extended cycle birth control, which is nice. Cause that means yeah. even when, um, the withdrawal period comes by, it only comes by once every three months, which is great. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so even if the, there's just fewer, which is helpful. Um, but it's also <laughs> been shown that, um, having sort of a, a continuous, Mm -hmm. um, birth control can help with those hormone changes right. and how you react to them. And so I'm doing that. I'm also on, um, on Prozac basically okay, for, sure. for mm -hmm. mental health, but beyond, you know, just the, the, um, sort of medication aspects for me, a lot of it has to do with sleep. Mm. Um, I, I get irritable when I'm tired regularly. Yeah. And so you know, if I'm extra tired around this time of the month, it's like just compounds everything. So it's a lot about just taking care of myself, making sure that I'm not overloading at that time, making sure, you know, you're eating right, exercising, kind of all the, all the good self-care things, but really focusing it around that specific week of the month. That's really good. And that's, that's something that I think young girls, teens that are dealing with some of the, um, you know, they're starting their first cycles or they're, they're early in, in, you know, <laughs> dealing with some of these types mm -hmm. of painful or frustrating conditions that come with, with having a period. And we're seeing a lot more, you know, a rise in teen suicide, particularly mm -hmm. for girls. And I, I think it's important that this is part of the narrative because you know, we don't know if <laughs> these types of things are affecting. Obviously, historically, we know women were like locked up in a room yeah. and sometimes in an insane asylum yeah. because they had untreated period conditions. And that's, I mean, that's kind of, that's an always interesting to me because it's like, wow, I wonder what they had if it was just like a PMDD right. or something that, you know, endometriosis or something that was like, why are they having this pain or this mental, you know, these mental, um, conditions or issues. And, and that's something that I think that teens especially need to be educated on because maybe they are having these feelings. And I dealt with a lot of depression as a teenager, mm -hmm. but I don't know, you know, I can't go back and say, was it cyclical? Um, I'm not really sure because I'm just, I didn't pay attention at the time, but I didn't take care of myself because I was a teenager. So it was like, 
you stay up late or you, you know, you're going all day at school and then you're hanging out with friends or you're going to basketball practice or whatever it is. And then you're not eating healthily. Um, we just don't think like you're thinking now where, you know, I need my eight hours or my nine hours of sleep or whatever it is to cope with this. And even in college, I, I had some friends that I think had PMDD and cause I, I, you know, they would say like, I just feel like a crazy person on my period. Like m- mentally, I feel like I'm losing it and then they would be fine. Yeah. So <laughs> it's, it's good that you're bringing this to light because I think we've starting this conversation earlier. It's just not one that's had. I mean, I think we're starting to talk about painful periods. We're starting to talk about irregularity, but actual, you know, surges or changes in your emotional state is not, uh, not really something that's on the forefront. I don't think of conversations women are having no. with each other or with their daughters or things like that. Um, yeah, definitely not. And I think for me too, like finding it out was so helpful because I know like, even if I'm, even if I forget or don't, get enough sleep or whatever. I know that it's temporary. And I feel like before that, it was this sort of hopeless feeling like, is this just going to be my life forever? And I could see that, especially for being a teen, not understanding how Mm -hmm. or why you're feeling this way and not being able to say, okay, I know that this is temporary. I'm going to get through this. Like looking at this for an entire lifetime is a really scary thing. Like, Yeah. So I think just knowing that it's something that A, can be managed and B, that is a real thing and it's not just, you know, being sensitive or whatever is helpful alone. Yes. And one comment like that can be damaging because it's like, oh, you're being overly sensitive or just calm down or Mm -hmm. you're crazy or those types of things are thrown around. I mean, and it's, it's, can be very damaging because then you're like more resistant to getting help at that point. Mm-hmm, exactly. That brings up the whole idea of like isolation. Like you just feel like you want to withdraw from everyone and everything during that time. And it's interesting, Natalie, that you brought up, you know, how women historically mm-hmm. were treated when it came to their cycle. It was always okay, you go over there, you deal with that. And then when you're ready to re-engage with society, like we'll we'll welcome you back. Yeah. And I just think that idea we sometimes still carry just is like, okay, this is a me problem. I need to figure this out on my own. Um, I need to deal with it. And the best way to deal with it is away from Mm -hmm. people, places and things. Um, But what I really like, Sarah, that you brought up was when you talked about sleep, it's like that is an area where you have to know your body enough to know and and you're Mm -hmm. paying attention. This this is an area that I can focus on. Yes, I have the, the medical intervention and the support. But this is an area that I can focus on because a lot of times we we don't um, take care of ourselves the best way that we can. Mm -hmm. And knowing that it's like, if I just get enough sleep, at least I have the energy or the, um, the ability to deal with some of the other stuff that comes with it. So for someone else, it might be, you know, I have to exercise. If I stop exercising, 
I won't be able to manage. Or I know during this time, I can't, I can't go all in on the chocolate because it'll put me <laughs> over the edge. <laughs> no, and just, just knowing yourself enough. And I think like, yes, having these conversations, we can kind of bring that to the forefront and get, get women and girls to think about that in a more um, practical way mm-hmm. that they can apply like what we're talking about for themselves, tracking and paying attention to and knowing myself enough to know when I need to pull back or when I can go all in on something. So this yeah. is, I think this is a, su- such a helpful conversation. Yeah. yeah. And thank you so much. I mean, part of it too is like, I, I don't know if y'all's friends are like this, but sometimes they're like, well, why don't you want to come out with us? Or like, why don't you want to do this? I'm like, well, cause if I do, then like tomorrow I'm going to be yeah. Like, yeah. The, the Mr. Hyde version of Sarah. Yeah. So. Exactly. <laughs> so I see that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We don't, nobody wants that. Like, <laughs> don't feed the gremlins after dark. Like, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, oh, I know. And I can relate to that and that sometimes I will want to have at night. I have this weird thing at night where I get kind of I get more emotional and that's probably not weird. It's probably normal, right? Mm-hmm. You're winding down and your brain's starting to think through and process everything that's happened. And I will often try to have like um intense conversations with my husband <laughs> at night. And he's like trying to go to sleep and I'm like getting all emotional. And he's like, you know, this is not a great time to talk about things. But I think it's like this weird hormonal thing that happens at night where I get more emotional. And again, it's probably just like that I'm winding down and going to sleep and thinking, but it's sort of like, this is not a good time for that. And being able to know when you should be having serious conversations, or maybe it's like, for me, sometimes it's at work if I'm PMSing mm-hmm. or maybe I'm PM, have PMDD. Can we say PMDDing? I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I don't have a diagnosis of that yet, but I will say that I, there are times where I have stepped into like my boss's office and had a conversation when I probably should have waited mm, until yeah. I was so good for you for being able to say even, and I think it's probably the hardest with friends because it's very hard. Yeah. It's peer yeah. pressure and they don't, and you know, it's like, we'll just come out and have fun with us because yeah, we'll yeah, cheer you fun. up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. If it seems like it's the solution, but really it's not the best thing. Yeah, I know. And usually in my, my friends, it involves like a cocktail or two. So it's like, yeah. okay, <laughs> that may actually push me over the edge. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Oh, well, is there anything, um, that you would like to, I mean, you mentioned that now this, there is an official diagnosis. Um, is there anything more you'd like to see being done? I mean, from, from a a medical standpoint or maybe a community standpoint? Yeah. I mean, probably right now, just more awareness. Part of the problem is that because it's such a little known, um, disorder that there's, it's really hard. It's really hard to find insurances that cover like the extended cycle birth controls that I need to be on. And I've gone back and forth, you know, I'm a farmer and farming jobs don't always come with insurance. Um, and so it's, you know, it's hard. And I'm at a point now where I know I've switched back to sort of regular monthly birth controls enough times that it just doesn't work for me. So I'm shelling out like $250 
you know, for this three month package, which is worth it to me, but geez, that's expensive. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. And I'm like, like going through the marketplace, looking for plans that, you know, cover it. It's really difficult. So trying to, trying to get insurance on board with this being a real thing and having the treatments. I mean, part of it is that um, there's just not a lot of studies showing the effectiveness of different treatments. And so even though it works for me and I feel a lot better, you know, that's not convincing to, you know, Aetna or whoever. Yeah. Consensus that, that it works. Yeah. This is the thing to prescribe if patient presents with X. Um, Well, that's really, that's actually a very good practical thing that I think medical practitioners and even mental health professionals could hear. I mean, I don't, I don't understand insurance in America. So <laughs> I'm, I will tell you that I have had, you know, it's like today I spent $115 on some progesterone for two oh. weeks. And so it's like, it's like, but then they'll cover something else and it'll cost me a dollar. So I don't, I don't know. I don't get it. And I, I hate to hear that you're having to fork over that much money for something that is a necessity. And it's, I mean, it's, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very frustrating. And I can only imagine, I mean, how many other, other medications are out there like that. Uh, Yep. Well, that's, thank you for sharing that. And we're, we're just glad to have your experience um, Mm -hmm. to share with others, because this is a huge conversation that, that needs, needs to be heard um, by a lot of different people. And (laughs) I, I'm glad. Do you find too that your work is therapeutic for what, you know, what you deal with, or do you feel like it, it adds stress to your condition? Um, I have ended up in a pretty supportive work environment in terms of like letting me have sort of the time and scheduling that I need in order to deal with this, which has been really helpful. And there is just something, you know, I work outside every day and I work with these wonderful animals and sometimes they get on your nerves if they're in the wrong place. But most of the time, like there's just this nice connection that there is working with the earth and with the land that I find really helpful. That's cool. That was such a good question, Natalie. Um, (laughs) Because we, you know, the work that women do, you know, obviously we can, we're in all sorts of fields and industries and surrounded by a lot of different people and schedules. And I just felt that that was, that was like a really significant thought because, you know, for those women that may be in highly stressful positions Mm -hmm. or jobs, like to be able to kind of navigate a schedule that's not either flexible or a work environment that's not necessarily friendly Mm -hmm. and to have that support, you know, that's another area where we can start to raise awareness of um, being able to support women differently at work (laughs) Yeah, Um, in a way that, you know, that's meaningful for us. And so I I really like that you brought that up. Yeah. 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 I think that's, that's great that we're all, I mean, just the, you had that in your bio about it being, you work in a male dominated field and um, even, yeah, I think when you do work in a male dominated field, it can get, it can, it can be much more difficult because you're almost trying to hide that, Mm 
mm-hmm. part of yourself that could appear, you know, um, I guess the word is a little bit, <laughs> I don't want to say like <laughs> off kilter, but it's like when people know or can sense when you're PMSing, you know, they know, and then you're like, yeah. okay, well, you're a woman or you're on birth control or you're, you know, it's like, well, you're, you're reacting this way because you're on, you're a woman and it gets really hard. And then it can add stress, you know, Diana, to your point, I think it can just compound stress when you are in mm-hmm. a high, high pressure job. And, and that can look in a lot of different ways. It can be literally hurting cattle and getting, <laughs> getting them where they need to go. So I love that you have this really unique experience too with your work and, and your life. And it's, it's great to get to, to know you a little bit better, Sarah and Diana and I just are so thankful that you were willing to share this because it's, it's not easy. It's easier to share something about a physical Mm -hmm. diagnosis. Like I would say something like endometriosis where I can say, yeah, this is something physically I can describe it exactly what's happening and everyone can wrap their mind around it. But sometimes with any type of condition that touches on mental health, it can be very sensitive to share. And I just really appreciate you sharing with us. Oh, thank you. And I'm so happy that y'all are providing this platform to talk about these issues. Because I think there are people out there like me who are happy to talk about it. I'm very open, but you know, it's a, it's, it's not, you know, going to be your first party go-to discussion. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, and hey, it should be something you should feel absolutely comfortable being able to share, but I know it's not, it's not easy. And we're here to talk anytime you want to just, just chat. We love to listen and, and we love to kind of bounce ideas off each other. So that's great. Great. Thank y'all so much. Yeah. Well, thanks, Sarah. We hope you have a great night and we look forward to hearing from you soon and hopefully more and more research will come out and thank you for sharing those links with us. We'll share that with everybody else as well. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Good night. Bye. We'd like to hear your thoughts regarding this episode. Leave us a message on Facebook or Instagram at herhealthed or visit herhealthed.com. The Her Health Ed podcast is for information only. We strongly encourage you to talk with your healthcare provider regarding your situation.